Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Introvert Theater Podcast. Good morning, this is Sergio, and today's episode is going to be about the film The Thirteenth Warrior. Um, it was a listener's choice, and if you're just tuning in or if you're just, you know, listening to this podcast for the first time, basically what I did uh, several months ago is I put out a question on my Instagram asking people or my followers, you know, what my or what their favorite films are and why. And my intention was to just kind of go through and watch them and just kind of respond to them in terms of what I felt about the films and things of that nature. I mean, it, some of them obviously don't necessarily relate to introversion, but it was just kind of my way of um, branching outwards and not, you know, just having it be something fun. So... The Thirteenth Warrior was suggested by my friend John, uh, who is one of my besties, and along with my brother, um, is pretty much my uh, moviegoer friend, right? So we it's usually the three of us that'll go to Cinemark on, on the weekends and, you know, for the big, um, the big releases, like the Marvel films and what have you. And... He's kind of become a personal staple. <laughs> so whether uh, whether he knows it or not, he's a good companion to have along uh, when going to see just about any movie. Because we always end up in the parking lot for an hour on end or so, just kind of talking about the film or just life in general. And that's kind of the beauty of film. You know, film is kind of a gateway into conversation, not necessarily pertaining to film, but... You can start off with film and just kind of branch off from there. Um, so on to the film. It was directed by John McTiernan, who's directed Die Hard's one, or Die Hard, the original, and Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, the original Predator, and the Thomas Crown Affair. The music is by Jerry Goldsmith, who has been in this game for a long time. I mean, he... He's done the soundtracks for, or scores for Alien, Chinatown, um, Poltergeist, the Gremlins films, and that's just to name a few, and I believe he's still doing music. I think the most recent thing he scored was Miss Marvel on Disney+, Plus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the Thirteenth Warrior is actually based on a novel by Michael Crichton, who's also written Jurassic Park. I'm sure, I'm sure the name <laughs> Michael Crichton is pretty familiar by now. And the screenplay was by William Wisher. The movie stars Antonio Banderas as Ahmed Ibn Fadlan, uh, Vladimir Kulik as Beowulf, and Omar Sharif, who I didn't know was in this movie, um, who's known for his portrayals in Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago, which are two of my grandmother's uh, favorite films. And he plays his translator... Um, Melchizedek, and I'm pretty sure I've butchered those names, but for the sake of conversation, um, those are their character names. Now, Ahmed is an Arab poet who's banished for falling in love with the wife of a nobleman, and he's kind of banished as an ambassador to the Volga Bulgars, which is now European Russia, and is assisted by his translator. Uh, eventually, they're saved by Vikings, who've <clears throat> excuse me, kind of settled that area near the Volga River. 
and they just happen to, you know, come upon them as they're holding a uh, a funeral for their recently deceased king. And it's here that both Ahmed and Melchizedek are introduced to Beowulf, who's, you know, the heir to the throne by this point. After some time, a young boy enters the camp the next day, and he's covered in what looks to be blood. And he asks them uh, for help from a village up north. The boy says that his people are being slain and eaten by the Wendel, who are perceived at this point to be creatures that come out only in, along with the fog and eat and decapitate anyone in their path. So, before they head out, there's a, a seer, or an oracle, that's with them, and she puts together a team of 13 warriors, 12 of which are to be Vikings, and the 13th position falls to Ahmed. So, from that point forward, you know, he's kind of grouped with this, um, with these group of Norsemen, and he's kind of the odd man out, because he obviously doesn't understand the language, but he learns the language just by studying them. You know, he has nothing else to really do, so he just kind of sits there, watches their mannerisms, and there's a focus on um, the the language of the time, and just kind of shots, establishing shots between him and kind of looking at their mouths and things of that nature. And during that point, it, it's kind of interesting because the language shifts from the language of the time to English. And all of a sudden, everyone starts speaking English. And you learn through dialogue that the shift in language isn't, is, is intentional. Um, for one, to make it easier, I guess, for the audience to follow, I guess they didn't want to create subtitles for the film. But it's kind of a cool effect because, and a simple effect, because it, you know, you realize that he's learned the language and the Vikings are aware of that. So it's just kind of a simple way of making it easier for the audience to follow and imply that the language was learned just by him studying them. So, in in addition to that, he also teaches Beowulf how to write in Arabic. And he talks about his personal religious beliefs from time to time. And it's because of that interaction, and his horsemanship, and ability to read and write, that they finally allow him into the group and accept him as a quote-unquote little brother, which one of the Vikings refers to him as. So, eventually they make their way to the village, and one of the first nights, or one of the first, um, yeah, one of the first nights there, a fog develops, and the Wendells follow. So they get into this skirmish, and... You know, a few of them are taken. And actually, I believe before then, they are just kind of searching the village. And they find 
this little pocket that was kind of ransacked. And when they, when they overview it, they see that there's a statue of a female, Wendell. So they know, you know, who it's been ransacked by. And then they see bodies hanging upside down, decapitated, just as the legend professes. So then the skirmish follows on their quote unquote home turf. And a few of the Vikings are taken, so their numbers start dwindling. I think at that point they're down to nine. And eventually they meet with an elderly oracle in this village. And the oracle suggests that in order to start disassembling the um, the army of of Wendell or Wendell's, um, that they have to start with the mother, and then from there, take down the warlord. So rather than wait for another night, uh, they decide to seek out and track that specific tribe. And when they do, they find that they're cave dwellers, much like um, much like bears, which is kind of interesting because the that nomadic tribe kind of dresses as bears and that's why they're perceived to be creatures rather than, than humans when really they're just kind of humans in disguise. They, you know, slaughter bears and wear their, their furs. So they go into the cave, um, and very carefully seek out the mother. Uh, Beowulf kills the mother, but in turn, is slashed by um, this weapon that she's dipped in poison. Okay? So they escape the skirmish, having killed the mother, unable to find the warlord. And upon their return to the village, Beowulf is severely injured. He's giving in to whatever poison and is basically on his deathbed. So Ahmed and the remaining Vikings... Um, are aware that, you know, the, um, the Wendell are going to take their revenge and they expected them to come at night. When, in all actuality, they're standing outside during the day just kind of prepping and they hear the horn. And they, they see the trail of uh, Wendell coming down the mountain. And all of a sudden they realize that the Wendell's revenge is swift, right? And they have only a matter of minutes to prepare so the the last battle is a quick battle. It it literally is only maybe three minutes long in the film, which is kind of strange. But at the same time, it's it's a really good close to the film because then Beowulf kind of stumbles out, um, barely able to lift his sword, and he joins his men in battle. And ultimately, he he kills the warlord. And as soon as he kills the warlord, the Wendell just back off entirely. They run into the hills, and they dis they, they disappear. And everyone assumes that they're never going to show again. So, <laughs> oddly enough, I guess, by taking out the mother and the warlord, um, they have no sh strategic means for winning any battle, really. So, who knows what becomes of them. Um... And Beowulf, in one of the more striking images, 
goes out it goes up to this wall made of pikes and he kind of sits in this this throne that's kind of you know carved out in this um in this wall and he dies a warrior's death and you know is just sitting there by the end and the rain is falling and it's just a really neat scene now that's essentially how the movie ends and Ahmed makes his way back to his homeland and the Vikings see him off. So does this relate to introversion in any way? Um, not really, but I think introverts tend to feel like the odd man or woman out. And that made relating to Ahmed, Antonio Banderas, character that much easier, you know, and he becomes kind of the comic relief at times, but Eventually, he toughens up and learns to fight amongst them. Does it work? I think it does. I think it's a really good film. And um, John made a comment that it's one of his favorites because it stands out as the best Beowulf adaptation. And he just loves the story of Beowulf or Beowulf in general. So I can see why, you know, he would like the film. I think it's really good. And I think John McTiernan is a more than uh, capable director. I mean, obviously he has quite a few films under his belt. And like those films, or I should say the majority of his films, uh, this one's very much action-oriented. And I think it works because it's only an hour and I think 32, 37 minutes. So it doesn't overstay its welcome. The scenery or the cinematography is beautiful. Uh, the music, of course, by Goldsmith is what you would expect. And I think the best way, I think the, the best way that they closed out the film was Ahmed on his ship kind of writing about his tales or his experience with the Vikings. And in his writing, he says that, he says that he wishes Allah to bring blessings to the Vikings despite the fact that they're pagan. Despite the fact that they're pagans, they shared their food, their knowledge, and they fought alongside him, which ultimately helped him become a man and a better servant to God. And I, I thought that was a really sweet way to end it, because obviously they, they, they bring up religion a couple of times in the film, but it, it's never like a drawn-out conversation, but... The idea is that the the Vikings have many gods, where Ahmed, you know, just prays to one. And despite their difference in beliefs, you know, they're able to get along. And I think that's one of the themes in the film that stands out the most. So, um, I'm glad that I, you know, watched it. And I'm glad that John suggested it. I would I would suggest suggest it to anyone that hasn't seen it. Funnily enough, I was under the impression that I never saw it, but my brother recognized the film instantly and said that we did see it with our father back in 1999 when it came out at a second-run theater or a dollar theater. Um, yeah, so, you know, time flies. Um, there's tons of movies out there, and this is just one of them that I completely forgot about. But again, I was glad to revisit it. Um, it's one that I'll eventually purchase. I'm going to look into and... See if there's a pretty decent version out there.
And to close it out, uh, next the next episode should be in two weeks' time. So we'll say Tuesday the 16th. And that episode isn't going to be about a specific movie. Um, I think it's going to be more of a personal entry. And that's going to be about introversion and the movie-going experience. Specifically, uh, introversion and movie theaters. And it's going to be about kind of my experience going to the theaters by myself. Which is something that I used to do a lot um, back in my late teens to maybe mid-twenties. And I'll just kind of recount my experiences and expand on those and and how it's how it's changed my movie going experience now so again uh, thanks for tuning in this was a listener suggestion so i hope you go out and check out the 13th warrior it's definitely worth at least a rental and i will talk to you all again in two weeks time so again stay healthy and Although, um, I guess I want to close by saying, although I think film is an escape, and I think a lot of introverts tend to kind of use film or even literature or what have you as a means to escape the world around us, I think um, I want to say to poke your head out every once in a while and take a look at the world around you. Um there's a lot of, um, you know, socioeconomic issues, uh, gender issues that are going on. And I think it's important to involve yourself and, and, um, just become familiar with your surroundings and be aware of that with, you know, upcoming elections and things of that nature. So just make sure to escape to fantasy when you need to, but don't forget about the real world around you. So stay healthy, uh, drink your water, and I will be talking again in two weeks' time. Take care.